Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew 26. In the outline on the back of the bulletin, we keep putting some of the older main points, so we pick up where we're at in our study of Matthew. <clears throat> we're looking at the prosecution of Jesus in chapter 26. He is arrested, and notice that's about point eight, the prosecution of Jesus in chapter 26. With the other points are earlier in that chapter. He is, the Lord is arrested, <clears throat> then he is accused before the religious rulers of the Jews, and later on under point C, before the Roman rulers of the Jews. And we won't get to that one tonight. But we're looking at he is assaulted. He is assaulted there in verses 67, 68, and down to actually verse 74. We'll be looking at that. And <clears throat> trust you able to put that together. Without the bulletin, we wouldn't be able to teach it the way we're teaching it, verse by verse and stopping where we run out of time. <laughs> and so trying to look at a thought in each of these times together. So he's arrested, he's accused, and now he is assaulted. Verse 67, <clears throat> we read, then they, that did, then they did spit in his face and buffeted him, and others smote him with the palm of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who smote thee? Now Peter sat without in the palace, and, the damsel, and a damsel came to him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. <clears throat> but he denied it before them, before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto him, Them that were with, them that were there, there, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. <clears throat> and again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou art one of them. For thy speech rayeth thee. <laughs> then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the, Lord, the words of, the, of Jesus, who said unto him, Before the cock crows, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Well, let's pray. <clears throat> Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the experiences of these men. And because we can learn from their mistakes, Lord, and that we might not do the same as we have, they have done, but, Lord, as we think of our lives, we have done exactly what Peter did. And how many times, they're probably without number, where we have not stood up for you and your purpose and your plan. Lord, I pray that we would weep with Peter tears of repentance that we might do that which you behove us to do and urge us to do and give us opportunity to do. Lord, minister your word for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> so, he is assaulted. The dreadful scorn <coughs> displayed by the Sanhedrin is seen there in verse 67 and 68. The spitting, the smiting, and the scoffing. These deeds in these two verses display the depths of human depravity, don't they? 
of man's heart and his real condition of heart that's revealed in Romans chapter 3 where, where Paul concluded all have sinned and came, come short of the glory of God there's none that understandeth there's none that seeketh after God they're all gone out of the way and, and Paul hammers at home for about 12 verses how wicked and depraved and, and well as we looked at this morning children of the devil we are we are born that way. And no matter how angelic you think your child to be, they're a born sinner and need to be saved. And I, I think that view and that approach when you have children helps you raise them correctly. Because to get them out of that position <laughs> into seeing who they really are and what they need to do to get right, uh, we have the opportunity as parents to do that, don't we? Correct them and point them. And bring them up in the fear and nurture and admonition of the Lord. <clears throat> and let me say that people of privilege that have been raised in Christian homes, sad to see them still spit in his face, despise his grace that he offers in salvation, and tread underfoot, as Hebrews chapter 10 tells us in verse 29, the blood of of Christ with which they are sanctified and counted as an unholy thing. And also in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 4, reject his spirit's call to them to salvation. They've tasted the good word of God. They've been partakers of the Holy Spirit through conviction of sin. And they walk away and they say no. What do you think about judgment upon those if they do not repent in their life that have had the opportunity after opportunity and walk away? And we know a lot of people that have done that. <clears throat> they can get saved. They can change. But a hardness of heart develops, it seems, that doesn't let them turn back in their pride to accept what the Lord has done. And these people that were doing this to the Messiah had opportunity after opportunity. They had a whole three years in this right up to this point to accept the miracles to accept who he's who he declared to be the son of god and his father was in heaven and their father was the devil and to accept it to take the rebuke to cop it as they should have and fall on their face and repent i fear for those people <clears throat> whose will be the greater judgment the person that has never heard that's out there drunken fornicating and doing all the wicked things of this, this world, or the person that has heard and rejected. The greater judgment will be upon the person that has heard and had the privilege and rejected the message. <clears throat> That's why it's a f uh, Judas. <laughs> be better if he'd never been born. I think that's what, that's what it means. Because of the judgment that will fall on his head for eternity. <clears throat> God the Father must scarce have restrained the legions of angels when men were doing this to his son. Now this, this relationship of the Father, Son and Spirit had been going for all eternity. And then for this to happen to him, yeah, if you saw this happening to your child unjustly, you'd step in, wouldn't you? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> but God the Father didn't step in because there was a reason he didn't. 
Vengeance would take place, but not now. Not now. And that's why the judgment that's coming is going to be very severe on those that don't turn to the Lord. <clears throat> so the legions of angels were restrained as they yearned to break forth and bring justice to the situation. <clears throat> First, God shows us his undying love, his unending grace toward those vile sinners, just like we were, by the sacrifice of his son that just about to happen. God showed that. <laughs> Father, and Jesus said it, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. If only they understood. If only unsaved people would understand. If only people we talk to would see it. <laughs> Can't you see the Saviour and his love for you? The silence of the Saviour in the face of extreme provocation is astounding, really. How patient and long-suffering is God toward us? How long did he wait for you to get saved? <laughs> How long does he wait for us Christians to get right and start serving the Lord as we ought? He is patient and long-suffering. The savagery and the brutality here, the spitting and the smiting, as we see there, spit in his face. Buffett, you've been spat at? Not a nice thing, is it, when you've been spat at? Been spat at? <laughs> wasn't for preaching or teaching or witnessing just kids kids literature at school and you, <clears throat> maybe it's because of the group we had together I don't know and smote with the palm of their hands unjustly and then trying and, and mocking and scoffing at him who, who, who smote thee as they blindfolded him and, and hit him this was to pave the way for the salvation of lost sinners, wasn't it? God would now demonstrate his love at Calvary, even as he demonstrated his wisdom in creation earlier. So we see what Peter witnessed and what he was watching. See, he was just, just in the background here watching this happen. And how Peter weakened and waned at the, on the occasion here, verse 69 now Peter sat without in the palace, and the damsel came to him, saying, Thou wast with Jesus. He's witnessed, he's just witnessed this happening to the Lord, and other things that already happened this night. <clears throat> but he weakened. We see Peter's denials in the rest of this chapter. The first denial, 69 to 70. The damsel declared that you are one of them. <laughs> With all that Peter had just watched there and witnessed, that they did to the Lord, his thoughts, his desires, his, his thinking would have been racing with all the things that had happened the last three years, how he got to know the Lord, how he'd seen power, how he'd seen people fed 5,000, 4,000, how people had been healed and raised from the dead, and then this is happening to the Lord. Uh, what would you be thinking? You know, you know how your mind races? You Just do something. Just Show your power. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Then he heard a little maid say, Thou also was with Jesus. <laughs> and it shocked him out of his thinking. <clears throat> Peter some had gained access right into the room. Let's turn to John's Gospel, chapter 18. Now, I don't know how John got, <laughs> the Apostle John got away with it. 
because he was he had family connections. <clears throat> well, it doesn't say the little maid said, "John, oh, you, you're one of them," but it picked on Peter. Peter must have been going. <laughs> he was go talk to him, not me. Why are you picking on me? Maybe Peter was talking too loud. But go to John's Gospel, chapter 18 and verse 16. And we read there, But Peter stood at the door without. Then went out that other disciple who was known unto the high priest. <clears throat> and spoke unto her that kept the door and brought Peter in. So Matthew doesn't tell us this, but Peter's outside. John, the other disciple was John who wrote this, <clears throat> whom was known, as it says there, <laughs> unto the high priest. In fact, he was related to them. Um, <clears throat> it's not what you know, it's who you know gets you places. <laughs> and that's what happened here. John was right in. And he saw Peter out there peeking in and he got them to bring him in. And Peter afterward would have thought, well, I'd be better if it stayed out. Because once I got in, they, I was cornered. I was cornered. <clears throat> then said the damsel in verse 17 of John 18, then said the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, art not thou also one of the man's disciples? He saith, I am not. <laughs> and so... <clears throat> The maid may have known that John was Jesus' disciple and she assumed that Peter, and they may well have been standing together, was too. And talk about being in the wrong place at the wrong time, that was Peter. But the Lord knew, didn't he? And he knows we're never in the wrong place at the wrong time unless we're running away like Jonah. So <clears throat> this is what the damsel said. And what the disciple denied, what the damsel declared, what the disciple denied, I know not the man. <laughs> I know not the man. How long had he known him? How long had he been with him? Just, just hours ago, he'd been in uh, in partaking of the supper together, hadn't he? He'd just been in the garden. He just had drawn out his sword and chopped off the high priest's servant's ear. And uh, he, I know not the man. How quick we are to deny the Lord when we should be standing up. <clears throat> and then we get to a further denial. This is the first one, and then the further denial. Back, We'll go back to Matthew for that one, verse 71. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him. His maids are observant people, aren't they? <laughs> maid saw him and said unto them that were there, and this is spreading the news, <laughs> This fellow also was with Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. And so this is a passing observation that she'd made. This fellow also. <laughs> and then we have what Peter did. And again, he denied with an oath. I do not know the man. So this, this time Peter denied he knew not the Lord with an oath. It seems from comparing the four gospel accounts of this occasion... This is when the cock crew at uh, this time. And um, this is the first time in Mark 15, 68. And, and, and Peter, it didn't seem, heard it, <laughs> the, the cock crew, because he did it again, did he not? 
And I've got the accounts there, and you can find them. Probably your Bible's got reference back to the other accounts. So there's the first, the next denial, and then the final denial in verse 73. After a while came he unto the a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou art also art one of them, for thy speech bewrayeth thee. And Peter began to curse, to swear, saying, I know not the man, and immediately the cock crew. You, as I say, you need to look at the other accounts on the crowing of the rooster. <clears throat> it's annoying. It's an annoying noise. Unless you live on a farm and you're used to it. <coughs> I remember going to work at Emerald and they had the, the bedroom of the house that was staying in. The blooming rooster was out there. and He crowed before it was daylight. That's what they have a habit of doing, don't they? But after a few years of going down there, I become deaf and I didn't hear him anymore. And I was glad because it was waking up a bit too early to get up at that time. But they, this, this is not just annoying of waking up. This is an annoyance of hearing again what the Lord had already said to him. So we see the final denial, the comment of the crowd in verse 73. Your speech betrays you. I think that's a good one for Christians, isn't it? Does your speech betray you as being a Christian? Where you work, where you live, where you walk during the day. You can be amongst a whole group of unsaved people and they're going to town on things and they pick up. This fella, this lady doesn't talk like us. Your speech betrays you and it should, shouldn't it? Now, it might have been the accent of the Galileans. You know, they had accents within that community. They didn't have radio, television to pick up on the right accent. So they had them very locally. They had those sort of tones of voice. You can, you know, I mean, you can hear an Irishman, can't you? His speech betrays him. An Englishman. Yeah? An American? Yep. An Australian? I think so. I don't know, you know, because you hear each other all the time. <laughs> but your speech betrays you of what nationality you are. Your speech should betray that you're a Christian. <laughs> what you do and don't say and how you say things, the things you talk about. I think there's some lessons for us to learn here. And Peter couldn't get away <laughs> with this one. It's a giveaway in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. They, we won't turn there. There it says that they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. There's something different about this crowd. They were witnessing and preaching like they were. <clears throat> In John chapter 18 and verse 26, if we go back to that portion we're at before, John 18 and 26, notice what is said here. And one of the servants of the high priest being a kinsman, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, so he gives you more detail there, saith, didn't I see you in the garden with him? <laughs> so it's getting pretty pointed now. And Peter was trying to cover, it was dark, of course. And so with our torches, I'm sure I saw you in the garden. Because Peter was out front with his sword, wasn't he? So he would have been to stand out 
you know, and everyone looked at him, pull the sword and cut, and they're looking at the occasion, I saw you in the garden. And I don't know if they went further, and, and, and you were the guy with the sword. <laughs> Peter wasn't as bold right now, was he? <laughs> the one with the sword. Anyway, in verse 74, we read what Peter did. He cursed, and then we say it's the cursing of a coward, the comment of the crowd, then the cursing of the coward in verse 74. Peter silenced his critics and accusers by calling down curses on himself. He added profanity to his disclaimer. Now, <clears throat> if he was a bullico, you know, those guys that used to drive the bullock teams, in Australia, you could hear him, but I think fishermen in those days were pretty raw too. Because remember, he was fishing with no clothes on too. That's what they did. It just, just to us, it's so, yeah, you know, what are you doing? And so here, the profanity that came out of his mouth was that which he used to say, the things he used to do when he was out in the Sea of Galilee and a storm come up and, or when the nets were breaking and things were going all wrong in the sailing boat there on Galilee and the fishing boat. But <clears throat> he, he came out with these profanities. Does that happen to us when you drop something on your toe, you hammer your finger with a nail, you hit the wrong nail in other words? <laughs> you, you <laughs> come on, be honest. <laughs> what comes out of your mouth? What does it say in the scripture? Shouldn't we praise the Lord when things go wrong? But these profanities are there just under the surface that can come out. And it's surprising whom you might hear when they don't think you're hearing of the things that come out of our mouths. And God forbid that we do, but the old nature in the heat of the moment does that. And here is Peter under pressure. Nothing will quick, more quickly annul a Christian's testimony than that before the unsaved people. Isn't that true? When those profanities come out, when those words come out. And so lest we cast stones at Peter, remember most of us have experienced cowardice and profanity here in our own hearts and have, and have been where he was and experienced the remorse that he did on this occasion. <clears throat> denial he denied the Lord three times I won't have a show of hands or show of fingers of how many times you've done it how many times have you can remember easily that you've denied the Lord I think we'd all have to put our hands up but sometimes we've been a coward and denied the Lord Maybe there was a golden opportunity that come to give a testimony and there was only another one person there and we failed to speak. You see what I mean? We cast stones at Peter, but what about us? In a crowd, we've denied the Lord when someone was doing and saying something at the school, at work, with a friend, at a restaurant on the street, in the neighbourhood, or as I mentioned, a lost, lost, lost opportunity. God's people should not deny the Lord, but should stand up and speak up for the Lord. Paul 
uh, the, the apostles, as you go through the book of Acts and the Gospels, were very bold. In fact, the boldness is seen after Pentecost more than before Pentecost. That's, they got the Holy Spirit and were filled with the boldness of the Lord. Let's look at a few of them in the book of Acts, chapter 17. The boldness, not denying, but boldly, boldly standing up for the Lord, chapter 17. <laughs> Wherever Paul went, he, 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 he caused a riot. He was always in the middle of it all. I know, I know some pretty closely related that at school, about 700 to 1,000 boys school, if there was a fight, they were in right in the middle of it. They were always in the fight. <laughs> well, <clears throat> Paul seemed to be the one where there was always a fight on. <laughs> he aroused the emotions of the people so by the preaching of the truth of the word of God that people got mad sad or glad as brother weeks used to say and some got glad who got saved some got mad because they didn't like what was being said and they were convicted well here is paul on mars hill in athens amongst just heathen people and he perceived what was going on here you are very superstitious i passed by in verse 23 and beheld your devotion i found and they were devoted they were spirit religious people you might say Worshipping people, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God whom ye therefore whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. Now I suppose he was with people that were at least thinking of worship or honouring something higher than themselves. And he presented the word of truth, and he presented it very clearly and pointedly. He he had he adapted the message to where they were. He can understand what they were thinking, what they were trying to do. And he said, to the unknown God whom you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. And he started then in on creation, him that created heaven and earth. He knew these people didn't have a clue about who made it all. So he started there and led them into the point of salvation, boldly doing that. And uh, people got saved that day, didn't they? Let's go to Acts chapter 4. <clears throat> Acts chapter 4, this is Peter after Pentecost. This is not Peter in the, in the um, court of the high priest. Uh, with John alongside him. This is Peter after Pentecost, and he's leading the way, leading the charge, you might say, as the gospel's been preached. Peter, in verse 8, filled with the Holy Ghost, saith unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel. Now, at this group, there probably were some of the same people that were in there that were spitting on the face and smacking the face of the Lord, slapping the face of the Lord Jesus. Ye elders of Israel. If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man by whom means, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God hath raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand before you whole. This is a stone which was set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that were unlearned and ignorant, ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they'd been with Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> boldness. See the boldness in verse 13. Of them they took knowledge of them that they'd been with Jesus. 
And verse 16, it says, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle has been done by them. It is manifest to all those who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Why didn't they say this about the Lord Jesus? They said it about the apostles. But that it spread no further among the people, let us threaten them, that they speak henceforth no more in his name. This is what they thought to do, and they... And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or to teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than to God, judge ye. Good answer. Good answer, Peter. (laughs) You judge. We cannot but speak the things we have seen and heard. And that further threatened them. They let them go. But what did, did Peter, did it silence Peter and the apostles? No, they boldly went out. Notice verse 28. To whatever thy hand, thy, thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness. What a different Peter it was now. <laughs> He's praying for boldness that they may speak thy word. Stretch forth thy hand. In verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke the word of God with boldness and so the word boldness confidence courage fearlessness is given throughout there so here's Paul I mean Peter preaching with boldness we saw Paul preaching with boldness there at Athens and then in chapter 7 of the book of Acts and verse 51 and there's many other occasions but here is Stephen verse 51 after he'd given his exhortation and went through the old testament briefly in preaching to this same religious crowd he said ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears you do always resist the holy ghost as your fathers did so do ye which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted they have slain them who showed before the coming of the just one of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers as boldness especially with this crowd that had just crucified Christ, who have received the law by the disposition of angels. What privilege you've had. What a terrible thing you're doing and have not kept it. Now a cut to the heart in verse 54 and gnashed on him with their teeth. And there he was murdered. There he was the first martyr. They stoned, in verse 59, Stephen calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Hey, when you think of Stephen... There's a saying that goes like this. When you think of Stephen, it's easier to die for the Lord than to live for him. Because the other apostles had to live quite a lot and suffer a lot of persecution. Stephen had it all over and done with with one sermon. (laughs) He went into the presence of the Lord. So when you think of it, it's easier to die for the Lord than to live for him. But you you know the way for it to happen? Speak up. Be bold. Be fearless, be courageous, and you're going to die, maybe not physically. (laughs) You might lose some other things on the way. Be confident in the Lord, be fearless. It's not in our own strength that we should do this. Proverbs 28 and verse 1 says, The righteous are bold as a lion. That's what it says of them. And and some people are born with that sort of boldness. Who who do you know that's born with that sort of boldness? Andrew Lewis. (laughs) He's that way, isn't he? Bold as a lion. And, and put him together with Pastor Charlie Hadid. And 
and that other fellow um, that's up there with him, assistant pastor, I think there, <laughs> put three of them together and then drive into the Orthodox area in Israel <laughs> and see the boldness of those. And the people, when that happens and the people who are against you see it, they just sort of a bit shocked. They don't know what to do. <laughs> and I think that was the occasion. And they were able to get out of there before it got too hot. But um, <clears throat> courage and confidence. Um, Joshua was told, Joshua chapter 1, verse 7, be bold, <laughs> go and conquer the land, <laughs> be courageous. Well, let's get back to Peter and finish, I was going to say finish him off. <laughs> we'll finish the verses off, that, uh, the verse, last few verses. <clears throat> Two verses. How Peter wept and wailed. As we read verse 74, then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately, you know, this put the people off, saying, no, he can't be. He must be fair dinkum, and he's not one of them. But, and immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the words of Jesus. You know, the Lord says in Corinthians that he will, when we are tempted, he will make a way, provide a way of escape. I can't get the verse come that we might be able to bear it. <clears throat> and Peter, I think the cock crew earlier, stop, Peter, stop denying me, but he went on denied him a third time. And Peter then remembered the words of the Lord, before it crows, you'll deny, deny me three times, went out and he wept bitterly. <clears throat> we say this is a loud reminder, before the cock crows, thou shalt deny me three times. That's <clears throat> given in Mark 14:72. We won't turn there. Let's turn to Luke chapter 22 and 61. Luke 22:61. Something else that happened here. The really <laughs> got got Peter, <laughs> and the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. No, well, let's go back to verse 60. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spoke, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. <laughs> and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock crows, thou shalt tell me thrice. And Peter went out and went bitterly. So it wasn't only the cock crowing, it was the look of the Lord. Now, when, when, when the Lord Jesus looks at you, what does he do? He looks right through. <laughs> He sees everything, and Peter knew it. He was in trouble. <laughs> he was in the room. He saw what had been happening. He was watching and witnessing this, and then this had happened, and he denied him. And, 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 and this wasn't just over a period of a few minutes. In fact, we can, you can discern that between the, the first denial and the last denial, there's at least one hour that, that happened. So he's, he's got time to stew on what he'd already, he'd already done. And so when the Lord looked, how does the Lord look at us when we've done something like a denial or done something we shouldn't have done, cursed and sweat? What is it that gets us? It's the Spirit of God. He convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. He puts his finger. He makes a verse come to our mind, doesn't he? It's the Lord's look. Remember that verse? You just wrecked that verse. You just did contrary to that. It, it may be someone else just turns up on the scene, a mum or a dad or a brother or sister, and you're caught. <laughs> it's the look of the Lord. He's looking straight through you. You know you've done wrong. 
Don't you? You know, if we have the Spirit of God in us when we've done wrong, He hits on the point and hits the sore point. And yes, we ought to recognize it. He turned and looked upon the Lord, and the eyes met and looked right through Him. He could see you not hiding anything from me. Uh, you know, the Lord was already beaten up some, and that sad look of the Lord to Him, that convicting look, the, you could say whatever things about the look of the Lord but it certainly penetrated his heart at that time. Now we see Peter's lament. He went out and wept bitterly. Chapter 22 of Luke and verse 62. <clears throat> well, we've read that one. Peter went out and wept bitterly. Maybe Peter retraced his steps of that evening. He went out of that, that, that room and he went back to the garden back to the place where he had lost his fellowship, where he'd run away. All the disciples fled. He followed afar off and poured out his heart and soul to the Lord. And he did what Second Corinthians 7 said. He repented truly. Heartfelt repentance. And that's what we need to do when we've denied the Lord, when we haven't been bold for the Lord, when we've done something contrary to his will and word, Go back to where it happened. Get right. And the Lord is the Lord of many chances. He gives us another opportunity, doesn't he? To get right and move forward from there. Though there might be scars from that. From the occasion. But the Lord is willing. But we have to repent. We have to recognize we've sinned. And the Lord, did the Lord restore him? Is this the end of it? He, the last thing he saw was the Lord looking at him and, oh, what a mess I've made of it all. And he went out. He wept bitterly and that was the end. No, it wasn't, was it? Let's turn to Luke. Oh, John. The last chapter of the Gospel of John. This is the end of it. <laughs> That's a good end. Although it's putting Peter under the, the pump, as we say, under the pressure again. <laughs> and the Lord restores Peter. Again, <laughs> they were out there fishing and they caught nothing. <clears throat> and he's dragged the net for the Lord said, you know, cast out and you'll get it. And they caught the fish, bring the fish to land. And Simon Peter went up and drew the net full of great fish, 150 and three. In fact, <clears throat> for all that were so many, it was not the, the net broke. That was a miracle in itself. Jesus said, come and dine. The Lord invites us back to fellowship with him. Come and dine. And none of the disciples dared ask him, who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus said unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me more than this? You see what the Lord's doing here? Do you really love me, Peter? Why'd you do, why'd you do that? You denied me. Do you love me? <laughs> more than these? So Peter denied the Lord three times. And here, three times, he is asked if he loved the Lord. I think that shouldn't go unnoticed. Peter lost his fellowship by the fire. And he gained the fellowship by the fire. It was restored. Lovest thou me? 
the, the Lord Jesus used the word agape here. Have you, Peter, got a sacrificial love for me? And the first two times the Lord asked that, he used the word agape. But then the third time he asked Peter, do you phileo me? <laughs> you see, the Lord's getting a point across. Peter, your love for me is not sufficient. You denied me, therefore your love for me is not sufficient. It should be agape, but you just phileo me. And Peter admitted, yes, Lord, I phileo you. <laughs> Thou knowest that I love you. <laughs> In, in verse 15, thou knowest that I love thee. And that is phileo too. The, Peter was using a different word to the Lord and all the disciples would have picked up on this. We in the English reading version don't get it. But they would have got that. He said unto him, feed my lambs. He didn't deny that he was a, not a believer, but he feed my lambs. He said unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? Agape thou me? He said, for he said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love phileo thee, brotherly love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. And that is another thing we could get out of this, the feeding of the lambs, the sheep, and the sheep, the bigger sheep, all the different sizes of sheep. He said unto them, unto him the third time in verse 17, Simon, son of Jonah, phileo thou me. Peter was grieved, was grieved because he said unto him, the third time lovest thou me. And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest that all things thou knowest that I love thee. You know that I denied you. Peter, Peter just said, yeah, I know. It's back there in the room. I know what I did. <laughs> Lord, please get me. Get you. I, I want to be right with you. You know I love you. You know I don't phileo, I mean, agape you. I just phileo you. And he was admitting it all the time. Feed my larger sheep. And so the, he's restored back to fellowship. God doesn't leave us where we're at. He wants to move us forward into the fellowship with him. And uh, <clears throat> do we have boldness or do we deny him? Have we, are we out of sorts with him? Do we need to get back right with him? I pray that we come to Jesus and get right with him. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the example of Peter. And, Lord, we find ourselves often there. We've denied you, we haven't had boldness, we've had opportunity and we've missed it. And Lord, you call us back to yourself and you ask us, do you love me? You really love me? Do you love me? And Lord, I pray that our answer would be that not only for let I agape, I sacrificially, I will sacrifice my life for you. As Stephen did, as other apostles, most of them did. And Lord, that we would move forward and that the word of the Lord might spread and thousands can be saved from a bold testimony. Lord, thank you for this. Give us boldness and give us grace in that boldness too, not a brashness. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.